Hey guys, welcome to the Album Collection. This week, episode number 11, we're tackling arguably one of the biggest country albums of the last decade plus, uh, Jason L. Dean's My Kind of Party. It was his fourth studio album, released in November of 2010. This was a smash. Yeah, and it kind of just dictated, I think, how the rest of his career was going to go. I think it opened a lot of doors and, well, obviously a lot of fans, but... It just took off. And all the songs on this album, there's 15 of them, which is a monster amount. But I also looked, I think every album afterwards has 15 15 songs. So he always, I don't know if it's the people he's met or or what it is, but he's got good songwriters or he finds the best songs, I think, that Nashville throws out there. Yeah, so... Jason Aldean said he chose the name My Kind of Party because he thought it was representative of what his fans had come to expect. Like, yeah. That's appropriate. Yeah. It's a good good synopsis of, of country fans in general. Yeah. And of him. Yeah. Yeah. His kind of sure. style. Mm-hmm. Uh, certified four times platinum, which is no surprise. <laughs> but we get to some of the awards and charts. It's kind of crazy. So... The 2011 CMAs, he had five nominations. He took home the Album of the Year for My Kind of Party and Musical Event of the Year for his duet with Miss Kelly Clarkson, Mm. Don't You Want to Stay? Yes. ACMs, six nominations, uh, Vocal Event of the Year and Single Record of the Year for Don't You Want to Stay? Billboard took home Top Country Album, Top Country Song. And CMT Music Awards, uh, Tattoos on This Town, Best CMT Performance of the Year. Charts. This is where it gets... You're going to be upset by one of them, so I'm curious to okay. see what your reaction is. Oh, but, boy. Don't uh, want to let you down here. So the year-end charts, as far as albums go. Yeah. So this was released in 2010. And let me see here. What was it? So it was released in November of 2010, right? So you only have two months for the year. But in 2010, it was 21st. At the end of the year. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Fast forward a year, so it has a full year touring songs coming yeah. out. And what's number two as far as like the year? The Taylor Swift. Yes. Yeah, of course. Speak now, Taylor Swift. Her last country album. Yes. So that 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 took the top spot from Jason Aldean. Do you, uh, by chance, like what were some of her singles off that album? I can look it up. I just. I mean, I if, I was, she, if I was a real Taylor Swift fan, I would know. But well, I, I've, you said it, not me, but. That's interesting, but at the same time, Taylor had more of the the crossover appeal, mm-hmm. where Jason's got the country fans, the true blue ones, and she had little teen boppers. So she released six songs from Speak Now, songs like Mine. I actually like that song. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Where are we? Let me find the actual, how how well they did. If I can Mine was that. a good one. Mine was a good one. Um... I don't know why it's not showing up here. I know. We don't have to talk about Taylor Swift on this uh, show. We'll just get the single. So it was mine. <laughs> I'm going to pick one of her albums from one of these pretty soon. <laughs> pick her first Mine, one. Back to December, Mean, Story oh. of Us, The Story of Us, Sparks Fly, and Ours. So. Oh. Yeah. Mine, Ours. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. So that was 2011. So that's as far as country albums. In 2011, as far as all albums. In the U.S. Billboard 200, it was fourth. Okay. So pretty yeah. gigantic. 2012, Billboard Country, still high, was number six. You're talking a year and a half, two hours, two years later. 
um, the same year it was 19th on the regular U.S. Billboard 200. So it's still is hanging in there. And then yeah. 2013, so three, four years later, as far as the U.S. Billboard 200, it was uh, 140th. So obviously wow. it dropped, but still. Still making some sort of noise. That's what I kind of thought when I wanted to tackle Jason Aldean. And I don't feel like we've talked about this successful of an album yet. Right. Like this is massive. But there's not a lot of albums like this, too. True, which is kind of fun to explore what makes it so successful. Yeah. Uh, The last one, so at the end of 2019, going into the new decade, they did U.S. Billboard 200 albums of the past decade, and this one ranked 30th. Oh, wow. Yeah, 10 years. Well, he won ACM Artist of the Decade. Yeah. And I think this album is the main reason why. Mm-hmm. Not that like the the first, I think he had three or four albums before this one. They're good. They produce good singles. But for some reason, this one production wise and, and writing wise just kind of took it out of the box a little bit for him. Yeah, it was on a different level. But you mentioned songwriters. And typically when I look at the songwriters, you recognize a few names. And you might do some research on the ones you don't know, and you're like, oh, they wrote that song, whatever. Yes. But this is such a long list. I'll read I'll read through them, and we can talk about some of them. Yeah. So notable ones, and I'm going to leave a few out, but um, Neil Thrasher, Wendell Mobley, Michael Delaney, Brantley Gilbert, Colt Ford, Josh Thompson, Adam Craig, David Lee Murphy, Kim Tribble, Thomas Rhett, Jaron Boyer, Justin Weaver, Caitlin Smith, Brett James, Tony Martin, Paul Jenkins, Jason Sellers, Bill Luther, and Busby. If I could whistle, I would do that right now, but that not a no, cat not call. A call. <laughs> no. Like a like yeah. a holy buckets kind of whistle. Yeah, there, there we, we go. go. <laughs> uh yeah, that's quite the list. It's a lot of names, but it's a lot of songs too. Mm. I know when I saw Thomas Rhett's name, I was like Wait, TR? He's doing his own thing. And then I looked at TR and it, his album first came out in 2012 or 2013. Yeah. We've only had Thomas Rhett for eight years. It was right. It was him and Florida Georgia Line kind of all at the same time. Yeah, that's true. Time, but yeah. So I don't know where to begin. So let's start with Neil Thrasher, Wendell Mobley, and. Uh, let's just start with those two because so, those two wrote a lot together. So mm-hmm. on this album, they wrote uh, Tattoos and Flyover States and Texas Was You and See You When I See You and Days Like These. So they have five songs that they are credited together on this album. Mm-hmm. But we can go even further and they wrote together on Kenny Chesney's There Goes My Life. They wrote together on Randy Hauser's How Country Feels. Uh, so there's a ton. Uh, Neil Thrasher, he wrote a ton for Rascal Flats, mm-hmm. like I Melt, Take Me There. Reba McIntyre's What Do You Say? <gasps> wrote that one too. So these two clearly, and they've written a ton of other Jason yeah. Aldean songs. I think Night Train was one that they worked on together. But they've clearly mastered. They have the cheat code. Yes. For writing a good country song. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see here. Some of the other ones. Uh, let's talk about Brantley Gilbert because this was... Let's do it. His intro. Right. He was he was an artist at this time. Yeah. It's like more grassroots 
coming up. Yeah, and he... So he wrote Dirt Road Anthem with Colt Ford, which if anyone knows Colt Ford, he does do that country rap. He does that in a lot of his songs, like Party Up. Do you remember that one with Chase Rice? Yeah. It's a jam. Um, But Brantley Gilbert, obviously, since he wrote the song, has a cover of Dirt Road Anthem. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Well, it's I like Jason's better. I don't know what it is. It's more production done or whatever. But this song was controversial when it came out. And I remember loving it because I was like, I could rap. <laughs> you can rap in a country song? Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely Cole Ford's brand. Yeah. As far as the rap. Uh, and actually last summer he was doing like a f- part of a free show. He was like one of the quote unquote headliners or whatever, or like before, mm. before Chris Young came out or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to sit through Cole Ford. He's like some <laughs> of his stuff. But he sings this one. And you're like, oh, yeah. He yeah. That one. And there's a bunch of other ones where it's like he's he raps the verses and hate it or love it. Mm-hmm. Like the choruses. And they always have catchy hooks. And oh, catchy th- so good. Stuff. Yeah. Um, but Brantley Gilbert, I was watching a video last night that. So whatever this song came out, 2010, 2011. So he was building his grassroots fan base, and I guess there was some sort of pushback within his fan base that he was um, selling out to like the mainstream oh. artists of like Jason Aldean because he has a YouTube video where he spends like a, a minute and a half, two minutes talking about how honored he is to have these two cuts on the album and the two singles, and he's so glad someone like Jason Aldean could do it. Right, and he's like. And he kind of pushed back. He's like, and this is like a young Brantley Gilbert, yeah. like <laughs> baby face Brantley Gilbert. Yeah. And he just said, people are calling me a sellout. He's like, I'm not a sellout. Like this is, I got a great hit song, hit artist to record. And he's like, this is just great. This is what you want. He's like, if you think I'm a sellout, stop following me. Right. So, yeah. And this song is not a sellout. I think it's, it's completely Brantley, and it would have been a sellout if maybe Jason didn't take it or decided to change it. But I think it was so out of character for Jason Aldean. Like, it wouldn't have surprised me if, if Brantley Gilbert comes onto the scene and this is the song he drops, or I don't even know what other artist would have covered it. But it didn't seem like something Jason Aldean would do. From his songs prior, you never would have thought, oh, yeah, the next album Jason Aldean's going to throw out this song where he raps. Doesn't yeah. seem in his wheelhouse. But the t- the year or two before this album comes out, when Jason Aldean's on tour, Colt Ford was opening up for him. Mm. And Colt Ford had this as his single, uh, like as a single. Oh. I mean, he, he recorded this by himself first. Got it. So he was playing this, you know, as the opener to Jason yeah. Aldean, and the crowd was the really loving it. Yeah. And then I think Colt Ford's team of producers and Jason Aldean's are obviously close or whatever. And then. Sure. Yeah, it was definitely a risk, but... That's... I don't know. I think that song is one of the main successes of the album, and maybe just of his career. It's such a... Not a pivot, but it's such a different... Such an identifiable sound song. But yeah, so those two. uh, Josh Thompson's a name you probably hear a lot about as songwriters. Um, Let's see here. Blake Shelton's I'll Name the Dogs. A ton of other Jason Aldean, Drowns the Whiskey, Way Out Here, Any Old Barstool, 
Luke Bryan's current single, One Margarita. Uh, so on this album, he wrote Church Pew. Oh, wow. Um, Love let's see that here. One. Dave Lee Murphy's on here. Mm. I don't think we need to say anything else about Yeah, just if, if, if it has a credit from David Lee Murphy, just listen to it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, Justin Weaver is one on here and some of his other cuts. Uh, Travis Denning's current single hit number one after a few. He wrote Brantley Gilbert's Bottom Up, Bottoms Up. And he's also diverse. He wrote Megan Trainer and John Legend's Like I'm Gonna Lose You. No kidding. With Caitlin Smith. Wow. Let's see here. Who else we got? Uh, Brett James. I feel like we've talked a lot about Brett James on like almost every podcast. Have we? I feel like he's always had one on there. Okay. He's, I'll take your word for it. He wrote uh, Carrie's Jesus Take the Wheel. Oh. Cowboy Casanova. A bunch of Kenny Chesney. When the Sun Goes Down. Keg in the Closet. Um, Kelly Clarkson's Mr. Know-It-All. Oh. So hey. there's some... We can go even further back to, he wrote uh, Jessica Andrews, Who I Am. What? Yeah. Oh, I love that song. So, oh. And now it has like a, I forgot about that, but like a male artist writing that and like a young teenage girl singing it. It has a, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That is, yeah. Uh, who else did I mention? Um, Tony Martin's one. Uh, he's wrote Tim McGraw's Just to See You Smile. Sarah Evans' Perfect. Uh, and then I guess the last thing I'll mention is Busby, Michael Busby's, yeah. uh, he passed away within the last year, I think, right? Recently, six months ago, yeah. maybe. Uh, and he was kind of one that was bringing this newer sound. Right. Uh, not like, not necessarily, and he's, I think he wrote Florida Georgia Lines Holy, but he's just brought more of a modern yes. sound yeah. into it. And he's worked with pop and rock and mm-hmm. everything in between. So honestly, it just seems like besides Thomas Rhett and, and Brantley Gilbert, it's a lot of established songwriters that came from this album, which I think at this point in Jason's career, he had, had that luxury maybe of, of getting maybe some of the better songwriter names or better cuts. Yeah. I mean, he had, I mean, before this, he had a bunch of successful singles right. and things like that. He was, I, I, he was a star at this yeah. point, but this he became like a superstar. Right. He this this album afforded him that he could sell out arenas and do probably I don't know if he does stadium tours, probably not, but he could. Yeah. You know, I think this takes it from a uh, twenty thousand person arena to a fifty thousand. Yeah. I think this album a lot of that. So. Instead of like one big house, you can probably buy like five big houses. Yeah. Or just one big house. Yes. Uh, producer on this is Michael Knox, and he doesn't really have a claim to fame other than Jason Aldean. So I guess he was credited <laughs> with discovering Jason Aldean, and hey. he's produced every single one of his albums. So there's a tight bond there. Uh, he's also produced albums for Montgomery Gentry and Trace Atkins, which. Makes sense. Yeah. That kind of same thing. Um, album reviews. I don't have a lot of f- full, lengthy Hold reviews. on, before that. Do you believe anything Wikipedia says? Because Wikipedia says that he recorded this album with his touring band, which reminded me of like uh, Tim McGraw and the dance hall. Oh, yeah. And then they said it was with an engineer. I don't know. Engineer is that much different from a producer? But with an engineer who hasn't worked with other artists. Again, Wikipedia, take it with a grain of salt, but maybe the touring band part I could see being. Yeah. It has more of a 
a, a party feel like a a live a live, a live yeah 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 definitely full band it's there's definitely a lot of sound engineering and producing yeah. done on this but it definitely sounds like you're at a front row at a local yeah um, not saying they're a cover band but it's like you go to a local band and you're here you hear right everything. yeah yeah so uh i'll just read a few of these i'll pause after each and you can either roll your eyes or uh okay clap your hands whatever you want to do wow two options yes uh this grabbed directly from wikipedia so again <laughs> say what you want i did not go to the actual source but they're cited uh michael mccall with the associated press lauded jason l dean for his quote fresh sound on the album saying he that he stands at the forefront of of a movement combining country themes with hard rock chords i would say that's accurate accurate Next one, calling it Aldine's strongest album to date, Matt Bjork with Roughstock gave it a four-star rating and said that Aldine may just be one of country music's best at making complete albums that are all killer, no filler. I like that little phrase. All killer, no filler. Yeah. All right. Matt, right? That's his name? Matt, yeah. Good job, Matt. Uh, giving it a three-and-a-half rating, Steve Leggett of All Music said that the album had Impressive sonic consistency and songs that fit his voice. That was very dull. That was, was the first half of it was very academic. Yeah, just go with your gut, go with your feeling. Don't type in synonyms for finding the most elaborate word. Exactly. Uh, Ken Tucker with Country Weekly gave the album a four star rating, saying Jason L. Dean has grown from album to album, improving at each previous project. His latest release continues that upward momentum. Fair. Is it four out of five stars or is four the maximum? Uh, everything might, every site might do different, but I think it's usually four. Oh, okay. I think so. Maybe it's five. <laughs> <laughs> if question. it is five, I don't think they give out five stars often. So True. Maybe it is five and they're giving four to fives. Uh, Allison Stewart with the Washington Post gave the album a mixed review saying, party is likable, but Nashville boilerplate. Every other track will sound familiar, even if it's the first time you heard it. She described Eldine's cover of Dirt Road Anthem as the high point on the album, mm-hmm. calling it a boundary-stretching moment. Interesting. Sometimes people like a little familiarity. I think she's, I think she's right, because other than Dirt Road Anthem, yeah, and I think it's just his sound as an artist. Right. I think the albums that came afterwards... All kind of sound started to sound the same, yeah. like this one. Yes, this one I think is the most different. Yep, compared to his prior ones. I mean, his his most recent one, nine. Yeah. Again, it was kind of like predictable. And I think it's it's tricky because right there, are, ever since this album, there's 15 songs on a project, which any other artist they release a 10 song album mm-hmm. or 11 or 12, and then they might release like a deluxe version with three or four more. Yeah. But he's putting out a deluxe album right away, right away. So 15 songs, it's, it's hard right. to differentiate. I wonder if he's trying to give more songwriters a chance, you know, an album cuts a big thing for someone coming up and maybe, maybe he doesn't want to be picky. He, I like all these songs. They're all going on here. I don't want them. To, I'm sure there's tons that are in the vaults, but yeah. And where every artist has a budget, as far as 
getting songs recorded. Yeah. I think Jason Aldean's one that he might have a budget, but it's in a different <laughs> universe yeah. than a majority of artists. So a um, couple others here. Mario Tardell with the Dallas Morning News gave it a C grade, referring oh. to the material as a vast array of standard cliched country rock. He also said that the track Dirt Road Anthem was the only song that deserves another spin. It's kind wow. of a rough one. Um, so, yeah. These people sound like real fun to be at at parties. Yeah. That's <laughs> the... Yeah, it just sounds very academic, pretentious. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, music's a thing. You're going to like it or not. And you can't take people's word for it just because they're in the industry or they're, they have a title of being critic or a a critic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think of like, you go to your favorite restaurant, you're going to order something there and it's not going to be this five star, but you really like it. Yes. But if a food critic comes in, they're going to be like, yes, why would you get like, that's only like two stars. Because it tastes good and it makes me feel good. Exactly. This music makes me feel good. Simple. Simple as that. One, two, three. Well, should we talk to singles? Yeah. I think this is the first album we're doing where I'm confident in saying they got every single correct. Like, there is not one that I would remove yeah. from this list to replace with another. Hmm. I really wouldn't. The only one, I don't want to jump the gun. The, my least favorite is probably Flyover States. And I would have put, um, I would have exchanged for either Church Pew or Barstool or um, oh, See You When I See You. I love See You When I See You. But I, I yes, I don't not like it. Yeah. I mean, Flyover States went number one. Of course so, it did. Uh, I'll just read. I have some good stories and quotes for some of these singles here, but the order of the singles released drops the album. The title track comes first. So my kind of party released in August of 2010 went to number two. Then the huge duet. Don't you want to stay released in November of 2010 that went to number one. Fast forward to April of 2011. That's when dirt road Anthem hit went to number one. And then September 2011, Tattoos on This Town went all the way to number two. And then February 2012, Flyover States was released. And as I said, it went to number one. That's so weird that Flyover States hit number one and Tattoos didn't. Or My Kind of Party. Yeah. I know it always depends what other songs are out there at the moment, but interesting. Mm -hmm. So My Kind of Party. Yeah. Oh, you hear that opening? I think that's what this album is too. Is it's such an identifiable, yeah. And yes, the songs on here, it's his sound, and like you could probably drop this song or any of these songs on his current album, and it would fit. But there's yeah. something about these songs where you're like, it's this time period. Yes, I, I know it's yeah. It's the start of the bro country, if we want to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, I don't feel like it was cheesy or or forced. It felt very like true to his brand. And this song, I feel like you still hear it covered all the time. Yeah. If you go to a bar on Broadway or any main street in America, if you want to hear a Jason Aldean pump up song, it's this, this one. 
Agreed. I don't know if he starts his shows with this or if he ever did, but he should. Uh, yeah. Have you ever been to a Jason Aldean show? Because I haven't, and I don't know why. I haven't either. I've heard mixed things. I've heard some people say it's the greatest show, and some people say he stands behind his guitar the whole time and doesn't really get into it. So maybe it's on a certain night you got to catch him. But. That's fair. Uh, so Brantley Gilbert's in an interview with The Boot about this song. He said, again, he's a songwriter. He said, me and all my friends used to go hang out on a farm in Jackson County in Georgia. We'd always go in and close the gate, and it was really just a field party. <laughs> I also had some friends in the county over, and we do the same thing there. I wanted to write a song about those parties. <laughs> there are a lot of really, really good ones that you probably won't be able to write about, as he laughs. Uh, <laughs> he's like, the song sparks a good time. It kind of yeah. takes me back to those days where we get out in the middle of the field somewhere, light a bonfire, and just have a good old time. Yeah. And that's just yeah. total vibes. That's a lot of people relate to that. Mm-hmm. I guess, what is your favorite song out of these singles? It's probably my kind of party. Tattoos on this town had a special place in my heart during my senior year of high school. True. (laughs) Um, But yeah, my kind of party is just one, because you know me, I'm a big car jammer. Right. right? Turn it up and you just 85 miles an hour down the road. But this one is, yeah, I would say my kind of party. See, the next one, Don't You Want to Stay?, it's not like a, a huge up-tempo, but that's one you can definitely belt out. Oh, I'm Kelly Clarkson on that one, yeah. hitting those high notes. Uh-huh. So <laughs> this song specifically was certified platinum double, like two times platinum. Uh, and the Damn. story behind it is is really interesting because you always wonder, how does a song become a song and how does it become a duet and everything in between? So. Right. Uh, don't You Want to Stay was written by uh, Andy Gibson, Paul Jenkins, and Jason Sellers. So according to Sellers, they're at Jenkins' house when they started composing and writing the track. He said, we just wanted to write a love song. He said, we had an idea of what we were targeting. We didn't write it as a duet. We wrote it, and Andy thought about recording it. After we got the song written, we played it for Jason. Then it was at that point that Jason Aldean's idea for it was to become a duet. Hmm. Uh, it was the first duet Jason Aldean has recorded. Um, in an inter- interview with National.com, Jason Aldean revealed, again, that it was presented as a single to him, but he had always, him and his producer were always looking for a song to become a duet. Yeah. And when Jason heard this, he's like, I think this is it. Huh. Um, so they they agreed, and they're like, we need a female partner. And I think the two names they narrowed down to were Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. Sure. And uh, Clarkson was his first choice. Yeah. Which can't fault him at all. No. So, uh, no, her voice. I don't know what it is about her voice. It's maybe like dirtier or gravelier than Carrie's. I think works better with his voice. Agreed. So uh, just to wrap the story up here, they didn't. They didn't think they'd be able to get her. I mean, obviously, yeah. she probably gets pitched 100 songs a day. Yeah. Uh, so they sent her the song, and she loved it. So hmm. uh, there's actually, I think with this whole album, Jason Aldean, there's some YouTube videos of, like, behind the song, what does, what does the song mean? And there's some footage of her coming in. And yeah. Just, like, I can't imagine just rolling in and right. just killing it. Well, and I, I don't want to... 
I think this song maybe brought Kelly back to country a little bit. I feel like after this song, you saw her more at award shows. And, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, she's got the Reba connection, but then there's Dan and Shay, and she's, you know, then she's with Blake and The Voice. And I just think it kind of reminded people that she can, well, sing anything, but she does know her country. Yeah. So, again, that one went number one. Killer. And you follow that up with Dirt Road Anthem. Just complete opposite. I mean, right out of the gate. My kind of party, don't you want to stay? Yeah. Dirt Road Anthem. You can't catch your breath. No. Uh, again, what's number one? And I already told the story here. Uh, Cole Ford said, you know, he was opening for Jason Aldean. And when Cole Ford's playing for a crowd of 10,000 people that don't really know who he is, but they're right. singing every word to it. Yeah. You gotta hit. There. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tattoos on this town went to number two. Just a really good. It's a good song. Number two, so yeah, keep that in mind. Uh, but again, how does the song get birth? Right. So the songwriter on this one is Neil Thrasher, and he said, "I've never had an idea that just appeared out of the blue like this one did." He's like, "I was coming into town to write with these guys, and I'm stopped at a light, and there are skid marks mm. on the road in front of me." And he said, my mind goes wandering, and boom, that title is there. He's like, I looked up out of my windshield and said, really? Seriously? Thank you. And he <laughs> had it. That's amazing. And I was thinking, too, before this song and after this song, there's always stories about hometowns and loving your hometown, blah, blah, blah. But the, the line tattoos on this town is so unique, and so it's never been done. Yeah. And I think that's where their, their hook is. Maybe yeah. I've been watching too much Songland. Maybe, but, but it's, that again, that idea, that certain phrase has never been touched before. No. So that's why I think it was so successful. Yeah. And uh, I think Eldine talks a little bit about it. Um, or Thrasher continues. He's like, went in, we wrote the song, and we used all these things that I thought of, like the skid marks, rope burn mm-hmm. on a tree, uh, paint on the bridge. Permanent stuff like things. That. Yeah, yeah. Of, you know, how people leave their mark behind. Um, and he just said... Tattoos on this town is the coolest title that's ever popped in my mind. Yeah. He's like, I can't even take credit for coming up with that title. It came from above. That's I'm crazy. Like, yeah. That's just weird. Oh. And then. Uh, wow. I think people are, that are songwriters are just a different level. Another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Flyover States. Yeah. One. It's a cool concept. It is. And yeah. it's right in Jason's wheelhouse and his fan's wheelhouse. Who doesn't like that? Right. You know, it's kind of forgotten us, folks. Us against the. Yeah. The Elite East and Coast. West Coast, yeah, yeah. So. for sure. So, yeah, I remember, I haven't listened to that song in a long time, but then I listened to the album, like, oh, yeah, this was a good song. Mm-hmm. This was, but was that five singles out of 15? Yeah. Yikes. What, three number ones and... Two number twos. Two number twos. Right, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so there are 10 other songs. Are there, we can talk about the hidden gems or just any songs you want to hit that you listen to 15 songs, you know, five of them. So basically you're almost listening to an entire album of songs yeah. you don't really know, right? <laughs> yeah. which is kind of unique too. Um, there's, I, th- I think it's tricky putting together 15 songs for an album to make sure that some right. of them don't get lost. But we mentioned earlier, like the songwriters are so good. The quality of songs are so good. And even the singles, they're within the first seven of the yeah. track listing. Mm-hmm. You know, so then there's eight songs afterwards 
Yeah. That you're not going to know a single one. Although I feel maybe the, the ones I mentioned earlier, see you when I see you. I don't know if that was played somewhere or it felt familiar to me. No, not to you. Not okay. to me, no. Maybe I just listened to it before, but that one and the church pew or bar stool. I think he has a song on one of his later albums. that's very similar to it. I'm trying to remember when you were visiting in Nashville uh, with your friends, we went to the listening room and Adam Craig. Yes. Maybe that's where. I think the church pew or bar stool. Yes. He wrote that. Yes. And I'm pretty sure he, he played sang it. that. He yeah. played it there. Okay. Good. Because that, that was not a familiar too. I'm like, okay. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I really liked both of those songs. Honestly, it's kind of what that one album reviewer said where it sounds like you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. It's all familiar. Yeah. It, it sounds like a Jason Eldine song. You kind of know what you're going to get. Yeah. But sometimes I'm just okay with it. I don't need to be find some deep meaning from a song all the time. I yeah. just want to listen to some good music. Right. Uh, yeah. Church Pew or Barstool is just so well written. Yes. Like balancing the small town life with like big city aspirations and everything. And it just, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a fan of Texas was you. Yes. Like that. It, it seemed like a timeless song. It seems like that Jason Aldean song you could have dumped in the nineties and someone could have sang it. Yeah. The it way just, it starts off sounds very nineties. Yeah. Um, I was on board too with see you when I see you. It's mm-hmm. just, it's not goodbye. You know, See when I see you, obviously, and uh, country boys world. I, th- I just thought it was like a, yeah. a cool concept, clever. Yep. You know, it's city girl goes to the south. Doesn't seem like there's a lot going on, but they can drive around and they just drop the names of like small town cities that are also like the names of huge cities like Paris, Paris. Tennessee, yep. Florence. I think Rome, Georgia was one of them. So it's. It's a cool concept as far as comparing the two. Did you like the one Thomas Ratko wrote, I Ain't Ready to Quit? I felt like it sounded very much like early Thomas Rhett, like his, yes. early, his first, first album. Yeah. It even seemed, yeah, it, it would have to be on his first album. Yeah, for sure. But it even sounded like even before that album in a yeah. way too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure he covered that in concerts for a while too. Maybe, yeah. I'm sure, there's there's got to be a YouTube He's, video of him. I would assume. Probably, or maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Any other hidden gems? Uh, I did like the the Texas one that Texas was you. I thought I don't want to jump. I felt like Ashley McBride could sing it from like a female perspective. Playing matchmaker, Ashley McBride. Yeah. From a female perspective, I think Ashley McBride lines up. Really well. Yes. With this sound. Yes. I tried thinking of other female artists, and I'm like, oh, maybe, like, could Miranda do some of these? She could do See You When I See You. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Carrie, because she can obviously sing the phone book, and it'd be fine. I don't want to say, like, her voice is too polished or too good, (laughs) you know? It, It maybe lacks sometimes the character, like Miranda's voice has right when you think about jason aldean it's like he's a country boy deep yeah rusty 
grimy, grind, grindy, <laughs> that kind of thing. And Carrie's more so eloquent. Right. Yeah. And that's probably the difference between like her and Miranda even. Sure. Is that between the two, Miranda's going to, if, if she's, if there's between the two, someone's going to punch someone out. It's definitely going to be Miranda. Right. <laughs> and I think not that Jason Aldean would do that, but it's that kind of yeah. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as matchmaker, I had three, and they're okay. all they're all men. Yeah. Um, kind of a cop out, but Tyler Farr. Mm-hmm. A, I think they have somewhat of a similar sound, and especially now that Tyler Farr is working really closely with Jason Aldean, he's signed with like Jason Aldean's record company. Record company as part of Jason Aldean's agreement, whatever. <laughs> um, so I would love to see, see him sing "Country Boys World." Uh, Cole Swindell. I don't know. I just keep coming back yeah. to Cole Swindell. I think he can sing like Jason Aldean and Luke, but he can also sing like the modern stuff too. So right. I think he's very middle of the road that he can go either way. Uh, so I said, Texas was you or days like these. And then I want to go a little outside the box and obviously the production would have to change a little bit, but I really want to hear Mitchell Tenpenny oh. on some of these songs. Hmm. Again, production would have to change, but I feel like I feel like it yeah. would fit. Maybe like one of the slower ones. Yeah. Or like mid-tempo. I had days like these for him penciled in maybe, yeah. but because he's worked with Colt Ford. I'm like, right, those right. two can work together and Colt Ford and Jason Aldean, like, it's not a huge leap. No. But on, without hearing it, it's yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, those are my three. I don't have any specifics. I think Morgan Wallen, I just love him to death. And so I feel like he ah, could do one. maybe like tattoos on this town or my kind of party can rock out. He's got the rock country thing going on. Um, I don't know. I just want to hear him sing anything, I guess. What about the, so the duet with Kelly Clarkson? Yeah. Charles and Hillary. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those, are some songs too big that you can't even cover them that you can't even picture someone else singing them. Yeah. Because, but someone else did in some live shows, whoever he had on tour with him. No. Oh, a respectable peer. Oh, his Blake wife? Shelton. Oh, <laughs> so Blake Shelton was, <laughs> yes, no joke. So Blake Shelton, when during this time period, right? Early 2010s when he's touring and I guess Every so often, him and Kelly Clarkson are oh, friends. Oh, yeah. And every so often, Kelly Clarkson would come to the shows to just watch the concert. And then he had the idea. He really liked the song and really liked Kelly Clarkson's part. So oh. he would invite her up on stage. Sing it. Sing it. Dang. Just imagine going to a, show, a Blake Shelton show and all of a sudden, he's singing it with Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. So there's oh. there's YouTube videos of it. Sure. Most of them are like pretty like normal, but there's there's one... I'll, I'll make sure you watch it. I was going to send it to you last night, but uh, it's Blake's humor and personality comes out. They're n- they don't take the song as serious. Right. They're there's kind not of like, the romantic. Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know if there's a line about touch and he's like. Yes. Caressing close. her face. Yeah. And they just get. <laughs> so it's, but Blake Sheldon on it. I'm like, oh, that sounds What really if you put good. Blake and Gwen together? You know, they have a duet. They sound great together on, but. Yeah. So I just, I. I went into it. I'm like, I want to try to find another couple. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I couldn't. And, and it. it's hard because it's easy to say Lady A because we know they sound so well together. But to take two voices that you haven't heard and put them together. Yeah. I would go back to Ashton McBride. I think she could cover it like a badass. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Think, think, think. Her and Luke Combs? Maybe. Yeah, it's it's hard to... Maybe. I was thinking, um, I feel like we can we can put Jason Aldean and Luke Bryan in their careers in like similar paths, at least once they became big names. So do you feel like Luke could cover any one of these songs and make it his own? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Obviously, it would sound a little different. But I think reversely, too, I think Jason Aldean could do Luke's. It would just sound. Yeah. They're, they're similar. They think about similar things, you right, know. They just have a different way of yeah. the production on it. And yeah. Luke's maybe a little more, I don't want to say relaxed or, or fun sounding, where Jason's more rock. Yeah. I, I mean, I look at, I think Jason Aldean's an introvert, where Luke Bryant's an extrovert. Right. And I think that, like... That might be the difference in their styles. Because it was it was the next album after this that Night Train album where the the duet with him or with Luke, Jason, and Eric Church. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking Eric Church could probably take any one of these songs and make it his own. He could do a My Kind of Party, but make it like Drink in My Hand kind of thing. Right. I don't know, it's just kind of interesting to think like the 2010 to 2013. It was just massive, and they all three just like blew up. Right, yeah. If you look at pinpoint different moments in the last 30, 40 years of when country like went up a level, yeah. I think this is this time period. Right. Jason Aldini, you could definitely say, was king of the 2010s. Right. And it started with this album. Yeah, because you had, so you had uh, Jason, Luke, Church. As far as guys that were newer, they weren't the Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney, right. Keith Urbans. And then the female side, you had... Carrie and Miranda. Right. And it was like those five. For sure. You could you could argue Taylor for a year, a year or two. two yeah. But it was like those five that ushered in yeah. the country dominance. Well, in this album, too, I remember reading it was nominated for a Grammy. Mm-hmm. Has he been nominated for a Grammy since then? I don't know. I don't think so. But he lost it to uh, Lady A's album. Need You Now? No. Hold on, which one was it? Because I think Taylor Swift was also nominated, so at least she didn't win. But it was their own the night. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Interesting, right? Because I don't know. But they had, I guess, on there. Yeah, just a kiss. We own the night. I don't even know if that's their best album. It's not. Maybe up until that point, but. Dancing away with my heart. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's a good album art. But yeah, I just think that, I don't want to say it proves that this album was accepted by not only the fans, but country music or music The ones that tend to be a little bit more, quote unquote, self, yeah. pure, traditional, right. whatever. But I think it's because it snuck in right before bro country became a thing. Because I don't yes. think Pearl Country really was defined until Florida Georgia Line, like 2013, 2014. Correct. 
So, and that's when I think the rest of Jason's albums that came afterwards, people just kind of lumped it in there, mm-hmm. which is unfair. I yeah. Think. So, but we it, won't get on that tangent again. No. So the other albums. Yeah. When it comes to the metal stand, this is clearly the gold, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't think it's close. Right. It's like Usain Bolt running, and everyone's like, "Oh, can the Americans like keep it close and maybe win?" And it's yeah. like, "No, he's." I was gonna say Michael Phelps seconds. in 2008, but I like the Usain Bolt. Yeah. Fair. It's like people are like, "Oh, he's close. He's close," and it's just like, "No, it's not that close." Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's had, I mean, other great songs, but I think this album as a whole, I would put it as number one. Mm-hmm. I go back and forth on my number two. I would probably say is one before this, Wide Open. Okay. And I like his debut album. Interesting. Just self-titled debut album. See, I went silver. I would put Night Train. Okay. Yeah. And then bronze, it was either the album before My Kind of Party. Wide Open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was either that one. I really like Rearview Town. Like, there's Drowns of Whiskey was on it. Yeah. bunch of other ones and i liked list i liked the full album of rearview town so mm-hmm. I, I gave that and i'm sure that would not be a popular pick amongst jason Dean lifelong fans but yeah. <laughs> but either way like the gold was pretty clear clear yeah unless you just are an odd person right all right wow we didn't really have too many uh, arguments on no. that one bummer <laughs> Buffer. Wow. I, I thought about I thought about coming in here being like, I'd probably give this a bronze medal just to see your reaction, but I would I would have been very confused. <laughs> yeah. No for a fact I would have been. Uh so overall, if you could sum up this album in like a sentence or three words that come to mind when it comes to this album. It's a decade defying album. I think it predicted the rest of the twenty tens. Yeah, I think it was decade-defining, but also career-defining Yes, for Jason Aldean. Definitely. And he became, he went from rising star to star really quick, but then I think his jump from star to superstar yeah. was just as quick. Right, so I was, I was watching this Garth Brooks documentary, and it kind of touched something on that about what you have to do to be successful, of course, but then so successful that they don't forget your name. Yeah. 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. And this album, I think, changed the game for Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he became... He wasn't just another star. He was... He was the king the, of Nashville. He was he, the king. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of like you said, changing of the guards, right? Here comes yeah. Jason. And yes, he had some good singles from 2005 for five years or so. But this kind of just said, okay, he's he's going to stay mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. And he's still making music. Still making Still music. making money. Still, right. I mean, yeah, yeah he's he's, they're okay. he's doing all right. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was a good album. It's a great album. Yeah. Probably, the, probably the better, best one we've had so far. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I don't want to say it was easy, but the songs were all great. It's easy to talk about. There's. I don't know, it right. wasn't too difficult. Well, maybe the next album, I'll just make it a, a real obscure one. Yeah, I'll just go out of my way and pick something from like the '70s. Oh, wonderful! <gasps> we should do a Dolly Parton album. Perhaps. Perhaps. Think about it. Perhaps. Stew on that one for a second. Stewing. Well, this was the album collection. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure you hit the subscribe button if it's your first time listening. Leave us a review. Follow us on our socials. We're raisedonblog.com. 
and stay tuned for upcoming episodes. 